Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. And good morning. It's a bright, sunny morning here in Melbourne. I am joined by my guest, Stephen, today, who calls himself the Speaker Genius. Great, great style. Stephen is joining me from Playa de Karma, Mexico. What time is it there, Stephen? Tell me. It is ha- just after half four for you fellows from the UK, et cetera, but 440 to be exact. Well, PM, PM, right? PM, 1640, yes. Got it. For a second there, I thought you'd, uh, you were a very, very early riser. I know you told me you were an early riser off camera. And uh, quite frankly, I, I believe the, to win in life, it, it, it serves you well to get up early in the morning. I do get up at 4.30 every morning, so that wouldn't and be four. There you go. I yeah. wasn't I was only 15 minutes out in that respect. <laughs> How about you? Step- go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to introduce you first and just give the audience a little bit of background on on who you are so they know exactly who I'm speaking with today. Stephen has consulted, advised and led workshops for more than 250 companies in 16 different countries, specializing in helping his clients generate millions of dollars in revenue. Stephen is aware that there's a lot more value than the financial side to the work he does, but he also brings a positive impact to every aspect of his clients' lives. A speaker, a self-confessed revenue nerd, and a specialist in helping businesses not leave money on the table. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you, Stephen, to the show. Just welcome, sir. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you aboard. And as I said off camera, your fantastic signature hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> I could not mention it. Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> Jake, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to meet you as well. And I'm looking forward to, to diving in and talking with you today. Yeah, I mean, let's dive into it. You know, the purpose of this show is to pull back that curtain on entrepreneurship. It's, it's often dressed up as something that's glamorous and, and a real hot thing to get into right now. You may know as well as I do that when you're deep into it, knee deep into it, neck deep into it, it's not always that glamorous and fancy. It takes a lot of hard work a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, and sometimes even tears. So, yeah, let's pull back that curtain today for, right. for the audience. And 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 in that, you know, you, you call yourself the speaker genius. You help businesses to increase their profit. But there's, there's a lot more to that, you know, than just the monetary value. Please tell us, Stephen, you know, a, a bit of what you do and how you come to do, how you came to do it. Okay, so I do two things. My main main business is sales consulting. So that's where I've helped the clients generate the millions in revenue per the situation in the bio. That's where I've done workshops and stuff like this. And I've been fortunate in my sales life to get the chance to get on stages and do some keynotes. Sometimes with people, I feel I have no business sharing the stage, whether online or offline with. Some examples would be the chairman and CEO of JetBlue, the chairman and CEO of 1-800-Flowers, multiple best-selling authors, and then me. It's amazing to be able to do stuff like that. And I think Seeing people gravitate towards my speaking and the subjects that I talk about and starting to ask me, hey, how can I get on stage? What, what is it that I can do to speak like you and be out in front of crowds? And the more I got asked this question, I started to see that this was a need in the market. That's number one. So right, people are asking me about it. Number two, I noticed that whenever I talk, I get way more leads that are warm, that are interested and want to learn more about everything that I have and some way that they can work with me. So when I combined those two things, I decided to somehow productize it. And that's how Speaker Genius came about. And the goal of Speaker Genius is to help 1,000 entrepreneurs build profitable speaking careers. And that can be in whatever way you want. But there's three ways that I find that people can generate money through speaking. And I help people build out strategies to get them. So I'll list those for anyone who's listening. Number one is your front end. So front end means you get paid to show up. It's like having a job. Hey, here's your speaker fee. Come in and talk to us about your story, Jake. The second way, back end. And this is where you hear people making seven, eight figures in speaking. You're like, how do you do that? What's your speaking fee? They actually make a lot of their money on the back end. They have books, they have merchandise, they have consulting and coaching programs. And that is something you can sell really well when you have a good presentation that leads people through and creates a good call to action. And then the third way to book high fees for speaking is to get sponsors. So if you have a good audience, you have a good topic, and you can bridge those, you could probably get a company to pay for the pleasure of putting their name on a bill with your name as well. 
Wonderful. I, I really didn't, I knew about the first two as, as someone who's entered the arena of speaking and is working to get more speaking engagements. I'm really in the infancy of it and it's only been in the virtual space so far, but I've really been enjoying it. But I never knew really, I didn't really consider the third option about, about sponsorship, but of course it makes sense, you know, particularly if you're speaking on a subject or a subject matter that aligns with a certain brand or business's um, ethos, then yeah, it just naturally makes sense. Does man, it's the best lead generator I've seen. And I wanna just make one other point on that. Everybody is online right now doing something one way or another. And everybody's posting the same types of things. Everybody's asking for someone to come and book a call with them. But the thing we've lost, or maybe the thing we've gained actually through this situation with COVID, et cetera, is people want something authentic. And so like, I'll even say how we met, you watched a couple of my videos and we're like, hey, like maybe you, you you'd be a good person for my podcast, let's get on. And I wasn't putting on airs, I wasn't selling anything, I'm just sharing some of the stuff that I've worked on. And I think that is, Right. That is the opportunity that I don't think people understand how valuable it can be. I'll share some quick numbers with you. I've been putting videos out for the last 49 days straight. Every day there's a new video that comes out and I've already been asked to be on 15 podcasts. That's all inbound. So that means what's really exciting about that is one, I get to meet amazing people who do incredible things like you who are plumbing and doing the, your e-commerce company from all over the world. And now we get to combine forces with our audiences. So their name gets spoken in my circles, my name gets spoken in their circles. And it's that easy, right? So that's just a hugely valuable thing that enables any person, no matter what you do, whether you're a plumber or you're a farmer or you fix computers, you can differentiate yourself in such a unique way when you're speaking because people can see who you are. And there's two things. You get booked for who you are, but you get paid for what you teach. So when you're, when I know who you are, I want to do something with you. And then when you do something that's really valuable, I can't wait to pay you for it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, it's a great way to address it and a great way to think about it. And something that you mentioned a little bit before that I'd love to wind back to, particularly right now, you know, people want stuff authentic. And I think, with regard, and I've seen you doing it, you know, you said you've put out a video for every day for the past 49 days, which is a, a huge feat, and, and I'm sure you've had a lot of fun doing that. But you, you're documenting there as well as, you know, since the videos you present in, you talk about particular subjects and you really dive deep into them and, and you talk about them from different perspectives and angles, which I think is fantastic as well, to be able to talk about one idea, but then look at that idea from, from different perspectives is really enlightening. But authenticity, and I think it, it is something a lot of people are hungry for right now, particularly with the amount of content you see at scale across, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine platforms, however many you use. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the, the best way I think to do that, particularly as a business owner, brand owner, someone who's just getting started even, or is, uh, as I have recently, making that transition from employee to entrepreneur, from you know trading your time for someone else's money to just generating your own money, is to document the actual process, you know, before it actually plays out and happen. Don't just go, oh look, here's a photo of um, the the new car I bought from all the hard work I've been doing. Yes, that's fantastic and that's great, but you know, fifty other thousand people did that just yesterday. There's not there's not too much. It, it's very um, it's it's like scrollable. The value there is scrollable, whereas if you're presenting something that, hey, look, I've been really saving up hard to get this car and I've really been working hard for a long time and, and here's like a long tail series of eight or nine videos that might only be three or four minutes long, but in the long tail, um, it shows you how I actually got there and, and did it. And the scroll value there, it's going to make people pause, stop, because they're intrigued, they get to see into your world. Yeah, people just put it on a lot on social media. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I quit it for about two years. I just couldn't handle the just constant. I don't want to say it's constant positivity, but it's just it just wasn't real. There was nothing real about it. You could tell everybody's just posting this super high flashy stuff. And then I know these people and I see them. They're over in the corner struggling like not that you have to tell people you're struggling, but you're, you're not being yourself. And I think 
I just don't resonate well with that. And I want to be one person across the board. So the person you see in the videos that you wanted to meet, it's the same person that's here. There's no difference to that. And that I think is a huge opportunity for anyone who's scared of telling their story. Your brand as a entrepreneur or business owner or employee, whoever you're talking to, whatever audience you have, it's all about helping your audience better tell their own story. That's why people resonate with, oh, look, this is what it's actually like to be an entrepreneur. I failed every day for the past six months and I finally got a sale. Like that's really what it is out here. Like it's not sweet. You don't just get hundreds of thousands of dollars shoveled at you for putting up an e-commerce website. You know this as well as I do. It takes a ton of effort. It's a lot of upfront investment and your whole thing to be an authentic is owning your own story. And that's why people want to see authenticity. Yeah, they really do. I have an analogy for entrepreneurship and I, I say it's like mining for gold, right? You know, you get there, you get in the pits, you're digging, it's hard work, you know, it's sweaty, it's nasty. Sometimes you miss your lunch because you're working so hard uh, and you might get nothing for months, you know, uh, but then sooner or later, you get that sale and just that one sale, it's like striking gold for you, you know, because it means so much to you that you've been working at it for such a long time. And then, you know, you might find a vein, a gold vein, and, and that leads to more and more and more. And then you and you get on a roll from there. Um, but it's also like a roller coaster as well, you know. Um, it is. But I always say, hold on tight because it's well worth the ride and very rewarding if you, if you do. Totally. And one other part about that too, especially with the times we're in, I think the biggest risk you can take is not starting your own business. Because if anything, this circumstance with the world has taught us as well, your stable job isn't nearly as stable as you thought. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that also kind of leads me into why I teach sales and talk to people about the importance of sales. Most people don't like salespeople. I'm included. I, I don't like salespeople. They're pushing things at you. But understanding how to sell gives you agency over any situation you're in. You're understanding that you need to listen first, not just push something on somebody. You need to solve someone's problem. So I say solve, don't sell. And if everybody invests a little bit of time in learning a better way to listen to people and solve their problems, you're always gonna have a place to land no matter what's happening outside. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I know uh, on, the, on the sales perspective, <laughs> stumbling on that, Perspective, got it. Perspective, yeah. Perspective. <laughs> but I know, you know, sales perspective, you you have a bit of a different approach in that, you know. You say, forget everything that you know about sales. Effective sales is about listening, learning, and connecting. That might sound pretty strange and, and off-centered to some people, but maybe you could expand on, on that and, and, and what you actually kind of mean behind that. Sure. You could hustle and push someone into a product immediately, like all of us could. We've all bought something that we spent probably a little too much money on because we were just, uh, all right, I'll get it. And then we didn't feel good about that purchase. We actually resented the person who made us feel that way at that time. And then we didn't like the object or the service that we bought. I know what's happened to me. Yeah. But when I've, yeah, definitely. I'm sure all the listeners can relate to that as well. Sure. But when you're listening, you're solving a problem and you're not actually pushing something on somebody, you do a couple of things that's different. One, you can acknowledge the fact that you might not be able to help the person, which is fine, which shows that you're a person who's trustworthy because sales is all about knowing, liking and trusting someone. And then when you check those boxes, then someone will buy from you, not before then. So when I say it's all about active listening, it's about understanding who you're talking to, what their actual needs are, if you can actually help them, and then building a relationship. Because if they don't buy from you now, because it's not a fit, they'll respect you for acknowledging that. And they might tell other people like, hey, you know, Jake, it wasn't a fit for what I have, but I love the way he asked me the questions that I had. He gave me some good trainings I could follow, and I trust this guy because he knows what he's talking about. You get repeat business from people when you build a relationship. And I'd rather have a customer for life than a single customer in one big sale. I don't know about you. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I really align with that. And I think about the multi multitude of businesses that I've had over the years, and I've never had more 
like you know you talk about sales funnels and the way to drive business and, and coming from ads and online and, and google ads you know maybe facebook ads i've never had more business you know whether that's been plumbing e-commerce stores from referrals you know people go hey look i had a great experience and and i, I know well, you will too i don't think you can beat that if someone you know love trust and respect says to you hey look you're looking for the same thing i was looking for two, three, six months, three years ago, and I had a great experience with this person, you're going you're gonna to shortcut. You know, we all look like the little shortcuts, hacks in life. That's one. You know, you're going to go with what they say as opposed to trawling the internet and going through reviews. You know, it's just, it's just the quickest way. You will always get more business. And to your point on what you said about just being transparent and saying, accepting the fact that sometimes you, you can't help people and what you do isn't a good fit for them. Like the, just being a human about that and not trying to go, hey, look, I'll just sell it you anyway. And and maybe if it doesn't work out, um, we can come to some kind of deal later about returning that. It's just a waste of time. It's a it's a, it's a waste of uh, energy as well. And and I, I do, I agree with what you say. You know, what you sell might not be right for some one person, but they may say, hey, look, but that guy was so, you know, Stephen was so transparent and honest about saying that it wouldn't be right for me, you know, they say bad news travels fast well i think good news travels even faster actually and and that's really going to work and play out for you well in your business just being honest transparent and not being um you know the car the the car salesman as it were exactly no i completely agree with you man and that's what i want to combat with everything that i do hmm. now tell me i, I know you, you've been in business for for a while and and to helping other businesses in business as well. Tell us about some of the challenges you've, you've faced along the way, because I think there's always a lot of value to be learned from them. Oh man, there's so many challenges. I think asking for help is one of the hardest things for all of us, myself included. So I think it's getting people over the hump of acknowledging like I need help is always a challenge. And then just getting them commit to taking the help Right, that's, that's definitely a challenge that I always experience. I've surmounted that by, again, just being more patient, listening, and pushing where, where appropriate, right? Like the more, the more you listen to your customers, your clients, or the market, is a, the better you're able to challenge those ingrained beliefs. And that's where the emotion changes, and that's where someone can make a proper decision to do business with you. And that's something I'm constantly calibrating, learning more about, and figuring out better ways to serve the clients that I serve so that I can hit those right emotional cords and get them to conquer those old beliefs that they have to accept the help that they need and help them grow to the companies and businesses and people that they want to be. Mm, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I, I, I like something you said there that you're always working to improve yourself and your skills and see, of, of course, how, how business, you know, rapidly changes. And this is a perfect example of that. But you're always you're always figuring out ways how you can help business and how you can adapt and evolve. And I'd love to know, like, how, how do you do that? Is it, is it reading? Is it just being aware of the market? Is it looking at, you know, what, what the marketplace is saying? It's so many different things. I read around three to four books a month on all the different types of things. So I'm a big, not a big history buff, but I think history can teach us a lot about everything. And I'll give you another story or analogy. There's so much uncertainty in the world right now. People don't know what's gonna happen in the next week, next month, or next five years, more than any other time in history. But one thing you can always bet on is human nature. We're always gonna approach certain circumstances the same way in mass. So if you look at that, if you look at like previous pandemics, how people acted, the way the markets moved, the way that people purchased things or what they did, you're pretty much going to, if you overlaid those lines for right now, you're pretty much going to see almost the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. So human nature is always the appropriate bet. So first thing is I look at history. I love, I have like a, a file of quotes that I love that are, I've categorized by like, if it's sales, if it's mindset, if it's stories, whatever it is, and I keep those things really close. So I read a ton. That's the first place. The second thing is I talk to as many people as I can and I, and I love learning from people. I'm, I'm an extrovert to some degree, and that's one of the hardest challenges about COVID for sure. But I talk to lots of people and I listen to what they have to say and I ask lots of questions. 
I go to events and I, and I watch some news shows from other countries and I'm just really curious. I think curiosity is the first step in being able to continually calibrate. And the, the other thing I would say is I review my own results. So I'll listen to my calls with people. Where did I mess this up? I'll review my emails. I'll, I write journal entries. I, I meditate. Like I do all of these things because I'm in permanent beta. I'm, I'm not a finished product. I don't plan on being a finished product. I just plan on improving every single day. I think that's a fantastic attitude to have, not only to with your respect to business, but with respect to life. You know, knowing that, um, it's it's you're never a you're never a finished product. The, the sculpting is never complete. Um, uh, and, you're always you're always moldable and adaptable and you have to be you know this year it's really like being evolved or become extinct for a lot of um businesses you know and and that's that's how it's been now in that and i think what you said going back to history that i'm a bit of a history geek too you didn't use the word geek but i know that's what you meant <laughs> and I, I do i do like i haven't looked back at, at some of the pandemics but i've been looking at kind of some stuff is funny because I was reading a book on a totally different subject. It was just a history of Australia called, um, I've got it just there, so I'll get it up on the camera. I do like a good prop when it comes handy. This book I was nice. reading, um, Australia, the biography of a nation, and it actually touched on the bubonic plague here in, in Australia, which came pretty hard. And then they had something else that came hot on the heels of it. I can't quite remember what it was now. Um, but, you know, people say oh, the world's changed. Uh, and it's going to change forever. I, my opinion is, I don't quite believe that. I think that three, four, five years from now, look, it will take some time. Um, that this will, uh, everything will have near enough turned back to normal, like it did with the bubonic plague, like it did with things, you know, in in the past of pandemics of this scale. I just think that um, it's easy to get gripped by fear in the moment and think, oh, everything's going to change. It's never going to go back to what it was. I think it's quite possible that three, four, five years from now, maybe even less than that, who knows, that we'll look back on this time and go, wow, wasn't that crazy? Um, we've, we've moved so far past from that. Um, it, and I thank, frankly, it's, thank, thank goodness it's not going to happen again. Knocking on all the wood, every mm -hmm. last bit of it. <laughs> Knocking on my desk right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's switch from those challenges and, and, and let's go into some wins and triumphs that you, you've had in business. I think this year's Specifically, you know, people go, oh, this has been a terrible year for business. Well, not for all business, you know, and, and I, I tread on eggshells here with how I say this because I know, look, some businesses it's been a terrible year for. I am empathic with that and I do feel for you and I send my love out to you if your business has been drastically affected by this this year. But think about logistics. Think about packaging. Think about transport. Think about mechanics, you know. E-commerce has just gone crazy this year. And, and think about all the things that prop up that industry. For a lot of industries, things have exploded this year and some of them have had their biggest year ever. There's always wins, there's always crimes in any situation. So I'd love to hear about some of yours within business, um, you know, and and some real moments that stuck out to you and thought, yeah, this is me, this is what I should be doing. Some really affirming, affirming times. I think of two. The first one I'd have to say is when I really got started and I landed my first customer where I went from like, hey, can I do this? Like, is somebody ever going to pay me for this? Like, oh, my goodness. To when they said yes. And then so that's the first one. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. And then the check clears. And you're just like, woo, like nothing. For those of you who haven't had that or those of you that have, I know you can relate to just that. That elation. That is just such a difficult thing to pull off mentally. And then when it does, it's just, there's such a victory and a, a confidence you get from that. And I, and I wish that on any person who's starting a business that when you get your first customer, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So that one was just huge. And then you get your second and that feels better as well, but not as, not as, a, not as good, but great as well. And then the other thing I would say is when people get results and they're grateful for your help, those are just like, I love getting testimonials from people or emails being like, dude, I did exactly what you told me to do. I got huge results with it. And I'm so grateful that I learned this from you. Like I get just, there's nothing that feels that way. I think 
when you see why I do what I do, besides wanting to have agency over my own life, it's in times like these too, as I kind of mentioned before, there isn't any certainty. But one thing you can always control is your input and your attitude. And if I can tell one person that they can take a little bit better control of their circumstance or situation by learning just how to listen to people or employ a certain technique, seeing the lights go on for how that applies to their business or their life and having them tell me about that. Like I live for that. That is why I get up at 4:30 in the morning. That is why I continue to put in the work, even when I'm not getting all the results that I want. Sometimes when you have those down months, that just makes it super clear why I'm here. And I think for anyone who is questioning that or having a struggle or having a hard year, you have to keep that why, that reason really, really close to you because motivation is fleeting. Like uh, I can't stand when people call themselves motivational speakers. Like hopefully people get motivated by something you say, but motivation is a moment. It's not a habit. Right. Like you need to get jacked up from somebody talking to you. That's cool. And you might go imp implement that tactic right away. But what about tomorrow? What about next week? How do we keep that going? It's, it's all about habits. So I, I say it's more about putting yourself into a position where you can actively pursue things all the time. And I say when I see people doing that, that just gives me such a huge, huge juice to continue to do that because my why is very present in everything I do. Yeah, and it's, it's great when you see, when you firstly understand your why, I think, and that might sound strange, particularly in business though, you know, a lot of people start a business and, you know, they started to earn some money and that's great and, and now they're earning, you know, they don't have to work for someone else anymore. Fantastic, you know, goal hit, goal achieved. But if money's the only, and I've said this so many times on the show, people are probably getting bored of me saying it, but I will continue to say it because it's something I believe in and I stand by. If money is your only motivator in business, and the money doesn't always the money doesn't always come. There'll be some times that you might go for a week, or perhaps even have a really bad month, or maybe even longer than that. You know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that this year where the money hasn't been coming in. And if that's your only motivator, then you are then going to question why you're doing what you're doing when that. You're not getting motivated by that financial reward so i think it's important to, to wind back from that and, and go okay like i sell a physical product yes that gives me money but what what am i actually selling to the customer okay i'm selling i'm selling them uh, i'm going to use something that's in front of me here an oil, an oil diffuser you know i'm selling them an oil diffuser uh, they're, they're giving me money but what are they actually getting from that you know what what's their actual vibe feeling you know emotional value from getting to that well they're going to feel more relaxed they're going to feel more calm and actually that's that's what i would be searching for you know okay my why is that i want to pe make people feel more relaxed and more calm and more harmonious in in their home and then when people give you that feedback and say oh, i bought your oil diffuser it was fantastic me and my wife feel really not, nice and calm now in the in our home the dog's even a bit more relaxed as well you're just going to be super happy super smiling and just getting that that vibe and that feedback and getting your why ticked off a massive thumbs up. Yeah, I, I think so too, man. That's the thing that's going to get you through those days when you don't feel motivated. Yeah, And that's why it's important to have one for sure. Some days, and how about this, even in my business, I'll, even if I'm having a, a bit of a low month or a low week, I'll just go scroll through the reviews and just read a few from people that just really love the product. And uh, and it just fills my refills my energy back up, gets my why back aligned, and gets me back on track. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm glad to hear you got that ritual. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the word hustle, Stephen. Hustle. You got you got the hustle within you, brother. You wouldn't be on the show otherwise. Amen. <laughs> the hustle is the title of this show. It's it's something that drives a lot of people, but it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I'd love to get kind of your definition of it and what drives your hunger for it? To me, hustle is sheer force of will. So it goes back to the why. I think he who understands his why can bear almost any how. And I don't know who said that, I can't remember, but it's a quote I have in my chapter or my chest, chest box of quotes. But I think that's really completely true. I think hustle is about just, I'm gonna make this happen some way, shape or form. And it's about sacrificing things. So I would say if that means going the extra mile with a client, 
like for that first client, as an example, when you get that first sale, it's like, woo, all right, I'm going to blow this one out of the water. So they tell everyone, right? I think it's, it's all about, I'm going to make this happen no matter what happens. And if you keep that going with yourself and you keep that present, people are going to gravitate towards that. Like as just my example for, for us, like how we met, I posted videos. I've been doing it a bunch of days. I don't know which one you saw. Maybe you saw a couple of them, but because I was consistent, right? Be, first be consistent, then you can be known, right? Like that's, that's the kind of way I approach it. So hustle is just showing up every day, sheer force of will. I'm going to make this happen. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody else does, I'm controlling my inputs and I will get to the output, whether it's now or a little bit down the line. I'm not losing sight of what I want. I love that, I love that definition. It's sheer will. That's, uh, you know, I've asked quite a few people over, nearly over, well over 50 people that question. And it's, it still fascinates me that I get a different answer almost every time. It's, it's great. It just shows you that, you know, we're all humans, we're all completely unique and the way we perceive and approach and, and get feedback from things is, is often quite different. Curious, how do you define hustle? I define hustle to be not having or seeing the circumstances around you that you want, so going out there and creating them. Amen. Mm -hmm. All the finger snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Stephen, about some goals, dreams, and aspirations for you and what you do, perhaps in the context of the speaker genius, perhaps in the context, I know you've already said that you, you want a couple thousand businesses, but yeah, I'd love, I'd love for you to share, share some more of those goals, dreams, and aspirations with us. Yeah, I want to see, so why, why public speaking as well? So it's a great lead generator. It's fun to get on stage. I read somewhere that public speaking is the number one fear, second to death. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it when I read that because it doesn't bother me so much but I could understand it I suppose at the same time I mean I guess like I've, I mean I, I still get nervous when I talk on stage like I'll be honest I still do it's it's you get nervous for two reasons one you feel you're going to be judged by people or two you're unprepared those right. are the two reasons that I feel right I should, I'm sorry to cut across you I should be honest I I have never actually spoken on a stage to a big group of people and I probably actually would be scared as hell when the time comes up, which I know it's going to come. I've, I've only spoke virtually so far and some of those times I got nervous. So I should pull back and just be completely transparent and honest here. When I said it doesn't bother me, I haven't had the opportunity for it to bother me yet and I'm sure it will when it comes up. I just oh, it's, it's frightening. Like I become a baby. As soon as I walk up there, I go completely blank for a second or two. I don't know. It feels like an hour, but I, I go back, to, I go back to the other part where you're unprepared. So you have to over-prepare, right? Like I practice public speaking every morning for 10, 20 minutes. I'm committed to being the absolute best I can be at it. I want to be world-class. And that's one of the whys I have, right? That's something I'm working at consistently. So when it comes time and the emotions come up, I go back to my day of training and I have my devices and my rituals to get me back into the moment that I'm in, right? So when I say that, so people are more less afraid of dying than they are of talking in front of people. I think in times like these, where we talked about authenticity being the huge need people have, where there's a dearth of leadership in, you could say in political offices, you could say in businesses, or you could say anywhere, there's no real like tangible person where people would be like, I rock with you. I love your opinion. I want to really, really understand where you're going. I can follow you. That means there's a big gap. There's a chasm for leaders. And the first place is knowing your own story and owning your own story if you want to be a leader, right? It's understanding who you are, what you want, where you are, and what that means in the context of what you want to accomplish and sharing that with people. That's number one. So I want to give people at least a thousand people, hopefully millions of people, right? If, if it all goes really well, the opportunity to understand that you can be a leader in whatever situation you're in. You don't have to be Tony Robbins. You don't have to be a global CEO, but whatever your domain is, if it's the person who runs e-commerce companies or you just make oil diffusers in the factory, there is a unique story that's available there that you can own. And I want people to understand that it's important for you to share that story, that, that comment, that journey, because that's what makes people feel 
good, accepted, and ready to do business and go harder at what they want as well. Yeah, yeah, well said, sir, well said. And um, I think you say you say a thousand people, it's, it's a nice milestone to start with, mate. I can see you smashing through that, I reckon, smashing through that. You know? Let's do it. Particularly as I think you're a, you're a man that's in this for the long tail, right? You're in this for the long term because it's what you do. And I'm just saying what I see here. But it's it, it, I, always, I get pretty good at seeing people that do what they do because they love it. And to me, you really seem like someone who, who is driven by, by doing, you know, by the passion, essentially. Thank you. And, uh, you're in it, for, in it for the long term. So uh, a thousand will come, 10,000 will come, and, and onwards and upwards, I think. I appreciate that. Uh, as as we close out, I'm going to be doing something a little bit wacky with you at the end. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have some fun with that. Um, but before we before we get onto that, I would love it if you could give three hot tips to the audience and a book recommendation. You've already said you read a lot of books there. Um, in whatever regard you would like, I suppose maybe it would be into businesses and and pivoting this year and and surviving really. Mm, okay. Let's see. Tip number one. If you are, so well, this will be like a one and a half tip, I guess. Okay. Hey, I said three, do seven. I'll, I'll do this, but this is one and a half. So the, for anyone who wants to pivot, number one, you need to make a business case for why people should do business with you, right? You need to make it about them. Like also in a speech or presentation, your goal is to create a better way for your customer, your audience, or whoever's listening to tell their own story better. Period. That's why your business exists. Your e-commerce company solves a specific problem for a specific group of people and helps them tell their own story better. I buy the product. I can spend more time with my family and I spend less time breaking my back doing work I don't want to do. Thank you for helping me tell my story better. Right. That's why they'll pay a premium for that. So there's four reasons why people buy anything in a business to business context. And there are three reasons people buy anything in a consumer context. In a business context, the four reasons, you're gonna help them make more money, you're gonna help them save money, you're gonna increase their efficiency, or you're gonna mitigate their risk. If you are pivoting your business in a business context, figure out how to create a value proposition that aligns with probably all four of these. Because if you know all four of the ways to measure how you can be successful for a partner or a customer, you have a business case for a measurable way to establish urgency in a sale. Urgency is key. If you've agitated the problem and you solve a real problem and you can quantify just how big the problem is, now we can add emotion to it. And if we can add emotion, we've got urgency, we are more than likely to close that deal because we understand the exact reason of what's happening. Second part on that, once you've established the constraint and you're able to monetize the constraint, you're actually able to draw that into the broader business goals of the entire company, which means you can charge a higher price. So pay attention specifically to that if you are in a business to business context. The, the one and a half side for the three on the consumer side is people buy anything for health, wealth, and relationships. So figure out how your value proposition aligns with those three things or one of them, whichever one it is, probably more than one, and be able to speak to what your product can do to help people better achieve more results in those three categories. If you can do that, you're always gonna know what to write for your content, you're always gonna know how to talk to your customer, and it'll help you guide the listening that you do with the people that you serve. So that, was, that would be my one and a half tip. The second tip I would say, and this one's always hard, this one's really tough, is follow up. Follow up. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs, and sometimes even myself, because I forget to, I'm human, say that, oh, the person didn't answer my email. I, they don't, they're not interested. And my next question is usually, how many emails did you send? Oh, I sent one. Hmm. How long ago did you send it? Oh, like a month ago. Okay. <laughs> so the other tip for anyone listening, in most situations, it takes eight to 13 touches for a person to respond to your email. Eight to 13, which is a lot. A lot. It's a lot more than you would think. It is. But, but again, you got to think about there's 
so many calls on people's attention, even more now because we're all just kind of stuck inside. Maybe not you in Australia now, but we're all stuck inside. So there's only a few places people can get stimulus or get new information. So you're competing with more and more and more people around the same amount of attention they have. So that's pretty tough. So you got to pay attention to that. And the more frequently you follow up, the more chances you're going to have to be the person, to be the brand of preference, to solve the problem that you solve for your market. My third tip, let's see, I actually have a story on this one. So right before the pandemic, I was out in Istanbul, Turkey, doing some sales trainings for an accelerator out there. So I was working with around 25 different companies out there, specifically teaching them how to enter the US market. And I was experiencing some of the worst jet lag of all time, but I muscled myself up to go out and explore Istanbul because it's an incredible city of history and like just beautiful. And so I'm tired, but I'm walking around and I'm in the Galata Tower Square, which was an Ottoman lookout tower for some type of battle or something. I'm not sure exactly, but beautiful, beautiful area, nice winding hillways. And I'm at the bottom of the hill about to walk up and I see a shoe shiner and he has his little stool and his brush and he's like walking past. He shuffles past me really quickly. And maybe he's 20 meters in front of me and his brush falls out of his pack and he continues walking. And me being a good citizen, I call after this gentleman and I say, hey, dude, dude. And he like turns around and I was like, you dropped your brush. He comes back and he thanks me profusely. And he takes his brush back and he's like, hey, uh, I'll shine your shoes for thank you so much. I need this to, to feed my family. This is how I feed my family. I'm like, no, I'm good, man. He's like, no, no, let me shine your shoes. And I'm wearing Vans. So I'm like, no, obviously don't touch my, my sneakers, right? And he's like trying to corner me and talk about his family or whatever else. And at the same time, the person in the apartment building on the kitty corner opens their window and yells at him in English, which was kind of strange. Leave the tourists alone. You always do this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's his little scheme. Right. Right? Wow. Yeah, smart guy. Smart yeah. guy. So what I've done with that is I've started to create a, a training around this. And this, what I thought was beautiful about this was this is kind of a way to create an inbound conversation. I spoke to him, now he could tell me about what he has. Now, it's negative because it was a scam, right? Mm -hmm. But for anybody in business, in the limited places that we can talk to people, email, social media, maybe you can call them depending on where you are. Maybe you could send mail. How can you interrupt the pattern to start a conversation? What is your drop the brush moment? And I don't have an answer for you now, but think about how can you interrupt the normal pattern that everyone is in within the scrolling that they're doing? If you think really hard and you listen using those seven reasons that people buy things, depending on your market segment, you're now putting yourself in a rarefied air of grabbing people's attention with a pattern interrupt. So think about that. Those would be my three tips for anyone who's looking to succeed in business now or in the future. First two are great. The third one stuck out to me. It's got me thinking. <laughs> got me thinking about. I'm literally like forming new marketing strategies in my head for my business whilst listening to you at the same time. Um, that I've done my job. Yeah, you, you certainly have. Um, and I tell you what, I'm looking forward to talking to you off camera actually further into that. But um, I, I heard a very similar story to that. Um, I don't know if you if you heard much stuff from Les Brown. I love Les Brown. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorites, and actually he was the one who mentored me in speaking and, and helped me hone my voice and, and gave me the opportunity to speak at a summit alongside him, which was fantastic, a few months ago. Amazing. He, he tells a very similar story to what you said. He was walking through New York once, and uh, a shoe show, it was a shoeshine guy as well, and he came out, and he was counting 98, 99, 100. And as, as Les Brown walked in front of me, he went, sir, you're the 100th person to walk past my shoeshine stand today. Um, it's my birthday today. The, the 100th person that walks past my stand, I give them a shoeshine for free. Um, and the, the guy followed on, shined, shined Mr. Brown's shoes. And then afterwards, Mr. Brown goes, look, you've done such a good job. I'm going to have to pay you. You know, how much do you charge? The guy goes $2. Les goes, here's five. It's your birthday. And then it, all done walking away. And as he's walking away, here's the guy counting again. 98, 99. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. 
Uh, I don't, I, you told that story so well. I had no idea until um, until that lady opened the window. That, that that's where that was going as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great storyteller, man. I think you're a fantastic speaker too. I think I really see that you're going to go really far with what you speak in the way that you're transparent, the way that you're authentic, the way that you relate stories to messages. Um, no one ever forgets a good good story, do they? I think so, man. That's that's the human experience. And, and how yeah. about a book recommendation? I mean, you're reading three to four. And there's so many. Uh, I think one of the most helpful books I've ever read, and I say that with no embellishment, is Grant McKeon's Essentialism. It's the disciplined pursuit of less. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you have a family or whatever your thing is, we're always thinking, what's the next thing I can do to get better, be smarter, be faster. And I was thinking the same thing too, literally yesterday, and I had a frustrating day yesterday, I'll be honest, and I went for a walk. That's one of the ways I clear out the, the muck. And I'm close to the beach, which is nice, so I just put my feet in the water and, and think about it. And as I was walking down the beach to my favorite little spot to perch and just stare at stuff, I saw this woman in a shirt and said, all you need is less. Mm -hmm. And that just punched me in the gut and I was like, Yes. And then I started to make a list of things that I could probably cut out or not do. And when you think about doing less, having less, there's so much more room for ideas and concepts. Mm -hmm. And so I think that book is one of the best, best books I've read because it takes those feelings in your gut that you can't verbalize well and tells them in a clear framework that you can just absorb and it's a short book it's like 200 something pages and uh, i would honestly say it changed my life wow i'll, I'll have to um write that down could you just repeat the title and, and the author again i believe it's greg mckeon essentialism essentialism yep. right. when you say less do you mean doing less or having less are you talking about minimalism or are you talking about doing less things for the brain's more clear uh, <laughs> I think I'm talking about all of it, but the other part is one of, one of my quips that I always mention to my clients is I can advise your business, but I can't mind your business. So I can tell you what I've seen work for me, work for others, but it's up to you. Maybe you're not a minimalist and that's okay too. Maybe you do a lot of things or you don't do a lot of things. I think we all need to look at that through the lens of our own life, our own experience and decide what's best for us and the people we serve. So. That's the system I've used to arrive at where I think works for me and some of the people I work with, but I would never be so bold as to say that's wrong. I think there's no wrong or right. It's just what works for each of us. Yeah, we're all on our own path and we all get different value from different things and different, and particularly in business, you know, you can't cut copy paste with, uh, with business, you know. Um, you can even, and I've even seen it play out with two companies that are very similar that sell the same thing. You can't always use the same strategies and 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 ways to to sell that thing because the people behind the selling are different, you know, and the, and the way that they apply, apply the strategies and play them out is different as well. Amen. Stephen, I've had so much fun with you. I've learned a lot from you. Um, definitely stay on camera afterwards. I'd like to talk to you about um, some marketing for 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 my business for sure. But um, before we go, I'm going to be having some fun with you now. Five <laughs> questions. I haven't even prepared these myself. I'm just going to come out with them. Uh, okay. You seem like has a lot of fun um, and enjoys having fun. So hmm, let me think of one. Stephen, what's your favorite movie? Snatch by Guy Ritchie. Straight with it. Great film. Favorite food? Thai food. Red curry. Rapid answers, love it. Three things you would need if you were stuck on a deserted island. Uh, pen and paper, because I'm going to have a lot to write about for sure, because I'm stuck there. I want to get some thoughts out. Uh, water <laughs> that's potable. Oh, and probably a knife so I could cut trees down, food, food, and uh, maybe protect myself in the event that. I needed to from some animals that might be delicious to eat as well. Those are smart, logical answers that I think would help you survive. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more I've got. 
Tell us something, and I know this is a question that people quite frequently ask on, on shows like this, but I think it's a good one. Tell us something. I'm not going to say tell us about you, something that no one knows. Tell us something about you that you've never expressed to the world before. That I've never expressed to the world before. Hmm. This one is a tough one. Never expressed to the world before. Oof. Uh, first thing that's coming to mind, I mean, I've told like, that's what I want. <laughs> first thing that's coming to mind, I've, I've mentioned it to a couple people, but not like massively. Uh, I was in a Beyonce music, music video one time. Really? <laughs> yeah, super random. Backup dancer. Yeah, basically, like I have my quarter second of fame where you can see my face and my hair just jump out and then I'm gone. But I, I do did have you, it. Did you get it printed and up on the wall in your in your place? No, <laughs> I, it doesn't doesn't affect my life in any other way except it's a funny little thing I can tell people. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. I'm, I'm pleased that I drew it out of you. <laughs> David, it's been absolutely fantastic for spending some time with you today. You've brought a lot of energy to the show. I really appreciate that. I'm going to put your social links right here in the comments, but do you just want to tell people where they can find you if they want to connect with you? Yes, I can. And first off, thank you for having me. And this has been a huge amount of fun, man. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, and I look forward to chatting more off camera as well. You can find me on Facebook, Steven Steers. I think it's this is Steven Steers is my profile, but type it in. You'll see my face with my hair. It's unmistakable. You can find me there. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn about what you're doing. You can find me on Instagram at, at Steven Steers underscore all one word. I'm not as frequent on there, but I'm going to be ramping that up in a few months. So keep your eyes peeled. You can find me on YouTube, Steven Steers again. I post videos there and I share a little bit more value than I do on other channels. And if you want to email me, S at Steven Steers. I'd love to meet you. Fantastic, guys. This has been an, uh, just a great, great podcast full of value for anyone that is in business or anyone that's looking to go into business, anyone particularly struggling with their business this year. So if you did enjoy this episode, guys, please like, share, subscribe, and pass it on to someone else that you think could get some value from it. Thank you all for listening, whether you're listening now or later. Much love to you wherever you are in the world. Stephen, thanks, thanks for coming on. Goodbye, Stephen. Goodbye, world. Ciao.